Well, hey, it's uh, good to be back together wherever you're sitting this weekend, but we're going to get God's Word open uh, together. We're going to worship through His Word again this morning. Uh, but as we start, I just want to start with a confession. Uh, that, uh, and my confession is this, I have regrets in my life. Uh, I have regrets over small things, and those uh, smaller regrets have come for a season and then they've kind of diminished as time has gone on and uh, I have bigger regrets in my life uh, the ones that have lingered uh, for months and and some even years and uh, my guess is that uh, you can relate with me in that that you too have regrets that you have lived with or that you are living with today Uh, a regret is this uh, a a regret's a, a weight we carry in the present for something that happened in the past. Uh, a weight we carry in the present, this, this, this rock we're carrying currently of something that happened uh, some time ago. That's, that's what a regret is. Uh, this week, uh, in my just kind of my personal study time, uh, the Lord led me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And as I was in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I came to verse 10, and verse 10 says this, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. And I'm, I'm sitting uh, in that verse right there uh, one morning this week, and um, as clear as uh, it is when the Holy Spirit prompts and speaks into your heart, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart and said, preach that. And so uh, very rarely throughout the history of our church um, have we stopped in the midst of a series and have we gone a different direction, but we have done it before. Uh, these divine, what I call divine interruptions, where um, we have been walking through First Peter together, uh, but so clearly this week, as I was in Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, the Holy Spirit said, preach that. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to preach that. Uh, We're going to focus our attention where God has divinely directed us to this week to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And so if you have a Bible, get there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 7. I think it's so important for us to understand, I think so many of us walk around living under the weight, this weight of regrets that God has already taken from us on the cross. Like, we know that we've been forgiven for the sin. We're no long, we know we're no longer under the penalty of the sin or the power of the sin, but so many of us are still walking around carrying the weight of past regret, and the Lord is saying, I want to take that from you. And so as I came uh, to verse 10 of chapter 7, 2 Corinthians, the Lord just seemed to be uh, laying on my heart to preach us into freedom, the Holy Spirit leading us into freedom and out of the weight of the regret of past sin. Uh, So we got to understand a little bit about what's going on in this letter that we're just jumping into here today. Uh, I want to pick it up, if we can, in uh, verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, And Paul says, For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, 
and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he is comforted, which, with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. And so uh, Paul says, we were in Macedonia, Titus came to us from you, and we were so comforted by the report that he brought about us. But then he goes on uh, to say this, for even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. Um, Paul references this letter that he had written to the Corinthians, and obviously like what immediately might come to mind is what a book we have in the Bible of 1 Corinthians, but uh, it actually seems that between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this letter. Sometimes it's called like his severe letter. It's a letter of rebuke. It's a letter calling out the Corinthians for their sin and calling them back to holiness and back to Christ. And, and, and Paul, Paul's like, this was a hard letter for me to write. And I know this was a hard letter for you to read. And I know that it grieved you. But this, this grieving uh, accomplished the purpose that I hoped that it would. It was a grieving that led you to repentance. And so Paul is saying, I'm so glad to hear that the letter I sent to you Yes, it grieved you, but it grieved you with the purpose that I asked God um, to accomplish in you, the purpose of your repentance. And then we come to this beautiful verse in verse 10 that we're going to unpack here today. That godly grief, it produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. And my hope for us today is that um, we will just be freed out from under the rock of some past regrets, uh, that we would understand and apply the gospel to free us from the weight of regrets that we're carrying. We would no longer let the enemy weaponize the weight of past sin and wield it against us in the present. And I believe that God wants to free us into that today. And so today we have one message on one verse with one point, and here's the point of today's sermon is this when we walk the road of godly repentance we can drop the rocks of regret and so i'm just hoping for us that there's some rocks of regret that drop today that we would say like you know what like i am in christ and the cross has covered that and i believe that he has forgiven me for it why in the world am i still carrying the weight of the regret of that thing or that season or that time or that whatever like i can lay that down i can drop that rock i'm hoping that happens today i i'm i'm hoping that happens in just some very specific ways just to be like super transparent with us i'm hoping uh for the couple who is navigating like what a healthy sexuality looks like in the confines of their new marriage. And yet they're feeling the weight of the rock of the regret of old past sexual sin. I pray that they know how to deal with that and to drop that rock today. I pray for parents who are parenting kids that are getting older 
and they're seeing some things in their kids at that life stage, and they're looking back to some of the failures or, or moments of sin in their parenting from the past, and they're feeling the weight and the regret of that. I pray uh, that parents can be released from some of the weight of the regret, the rocks of regret they're carrying that Jesus has already covered. I'm um, praying for the one who's suffering in silence who's never told anyone about the private sin issue going on in their heart because they just don't think um, it's redeemable. They don't want anyone else to know, and they're just suffering silently in the regret of something from the past. I pray that you would be freed today. I pray for the one whose quote-unquote like little sins, the little daily sins, have compounded over a season into some big, big consequences. And yet you've repented, you're turning, you're seeing victory in them. You can't get this rock of regret off of your shoulder. That's what we're going for today, that we would be freed and released by the gospel in every way that Jesus wants us to enjoy the salvation that he's given to us. So a one-week break out of First Peter. Um, I believe the Spirit has led us into this text for this week. Um, if you need the extra week to catch up on your memorization of 1 Peter, stay after that, get after that, but let's let God free us together into this salvation without regret. And so um, let me give one disclaimer before we jump in here. Uh, in order to get to the understanding of uh, the salvation Christ has given us without regret, we have to talk about repentance. And in talking about repentance, this godly grief, there are things that are going to come to mind that we do have regrets over. And the, the disclaimer in like bright blinking neon lights is this. Do not get caught in your head in the past failings and sin in such a way that you never get to the, the, the end of the verse where we talk about the joy of being released from these regrets. I, I, I think what uh, a tactic of the enemy this week will be to get us like, man, I do regret that. And so thinking about the past sin that we never get to the dropping of the rocks of regret. And so uh, whatever you do, finish this sermon and finish with the hope that we're going to get to of the fact that Jesus has covered us and released us out from under the weight of the rock. And so I just want to give that disclaimer to start, but let's jump into God's word together. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. And, and so we, we have to start our conversation where the verse starts. We have to start by talking about what is godly grief. And I'll just define godly grief like this. Godly grief is sorrow over sin graciously given by God. Sorrow over sin, and this sorrow is graciously given to us by God. And you're like, man, how is sorrow a gracious gift of God? Sorrow is a great sorrow for sin is a gracious gift of God because it's the conviction that sets in. It's it's the that feeling we have, that weight we have when we know we've sinned, we know we've transgressed the holy God, we know um, that we ultimately um, will suffer in some ways for that sin. That sorrow makes us never want to go back there. And now you you hear this, this godly grief, and you're like, man, isn't that like a, a form of regret? It is. 
Like, don't hear this message today to go like, yeah, just never feel any feelings of regret. No, there is a good kind of regret. The good kind of regret is what we're calling here, what the Bible calls here, godly grief. It is godly grief over our sin. That's a good thing. That's a gift from God. If we felt no godly grief, no sorrow when we sin, no conviction from the Holy Spirit, that would ultimately be bad for our life. We would continue down destructive and sinful paths without that. But there is a gift from God that is this godly grief, this sorrow over sin that's a gracious gift from God. Now, uh, understanding godly grief a little bit more, um, it's important to note that the opposite of godly grief is not no grief. The opposite of godly grief, and this verse actually helps us understand this, is what the end of the verse calls worldly grief. So what is the difference between godly grief and worldly grief? Let's just kind of lay these two things out before us. Uh, Godly grief, uh, most importantly, you're grieved over the sin. Godly grief leads us to grieve over the sin. When you read Psalm 51 and you uh, look at what David is writing there on the other side of being confronted in his sin with Bathsheba and uh, the subsequent murder of her husband, uh, he is writing grieving over his sin. Whereas worldly grief is grieved over getting caught. And those are two very different things. Worldly grief just says, man, I'm just sorry I got caught. And I, and I don't like the consequences that all of that has brought us. Godly grief is grieved over sin. Worldly grief grieves over getting caught. Uh, another thing, godly grief is grieved and wants to see change in me. You're telling the Lord and you're telling others, I don't care what it takes. I just want to see my heart change here. Whatever God's got to do to change this heart, to change this aspect of my heart, that's what I want to see. Whereas worldly grief is grieved, but you're grieved over wanting the circumstances to change. I, I, don't, I don't like the pressure this has put on me. I don't like how this makes me feel. I just want the circumstances to change. Two very different things. A godly grief is grieved, and you want more of Jesus. It grieves you into wanting more of Jesus. Godly grief, uh, we sorrow over our sin in such a way that we see us for who we are and we see Jesus for who he is. And it actually is this gracious magnet that draws us into wanting more of him. Whereas worldly grief grieves, but you just want more of life back to normal. Like, yeah, yeah, can I just say the things that need to be said to get life back to, more, to normal? Can I just go through the motions that need to happen in order to get life back to normal? These are two very different things. Godly grief is driven by God, and it is God-centered, and it is for the glory of God to see more of Christ formed in me. Worldly grief is driven by self, and it is self-centered, and it's for the purpose of self-comfort. Can life just go back to normal before all of this painful stuff that came after I got caught? Uh, I think even in the Bible, we see this, this just powerful picture of the difference between godly grief and worldly grief. Um, 
we know, if you know anything about the gospel story, that one of the disciples of Christ is actually the one who betrayed him into the hands of the Jewish authorities, uh, Judas Iscariot. Um, uh, A couple hours after Judas' betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus enters the courtyard of the high priest, and um, Peter famously denies Jesus three times. Uh, No, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. You have the sin of Judas and the betrayal of Judas. You then have the sin of Peter and his denial of Christ. Um, After these sins, both weep. Uh, Both appear to be grieved. Uh, Judas's sin, so Judas sins, he weeps, and then uh, he takes his own life. It leads to death. The circumstances overwhelm him and He seeks to solve this with a solution of his own mind. Uh, Peter sins and he weeps in his denial. And then Peter is graciously restored by the Lord because of his godly grief. Judas, this picture of worldly grief. Peter, this picture of godly grief. Now, you're going, okay, um, I thought this was a message on like getting out from under the weight of regrets. And now we're talking about godly grief and I feel weighed down by this, but we have to look at something. What is this godly grief accomplishing? Back to the verse. For godly grief produces a what? Godly grief produces a what? A repentance. Godly grief, sorrow over our sin, produces something beautiful. It produces a repentance, a turning. Um, uh, To say it like this, grief from God produces turning to God. Grief from God produces a turning to God. And this is the gracious gift of the grief of God over our sin. And this repentance leads to this blessing, these blessings of our salvation that I want to camp out on so that we could live in the freedom of our salvation to the fullest without regret. But we can't go there yet. We can't yet go to how does the Godly grief that leads to repentance lead us into this salvation without regret quite yet. Because we have to understand something. That we must run the redemptive road of repentance. We must run the redemptive road of repentance to be able to drop the rocks of regret. There, there, there is no uh, bypass around the road of godly repentance. Uh, we can't just try to take some easy shortcut to just say, okay, yes, I want a life of not being weighed down under the burden of all these regrets. No, it doesn't happen like this. We must pursue godly repentance. We must embrace a godly grief that leads us to repentance. We must be grieved by God, sorrowing over our sin in such a way that it turns us to God, not away from God, then we're going to get to how does this lead us into this salvation, this full salvation in Christ without regret. This thing all of us are longing for, to not be weighed down, to not let the enemy weaponize the weight of past sin and wield it against us in the present. That is coming, but we have to make sure all of us have embraced a godly grief that is leading us to repentance.
And so I want us to do uh, some soul work together right now. Uh, I'm going to have you pause the video here in a moment and to be able to process what, like, what is godly grief? Um, have I embraced godly grief or am I embraced more of worldly grief? Has this led me to repentance? Only a godly grief produces repentance. Worldly grief can't produce repentance. Uh, and so in this moment, here's what I would love all of you to do together. I want uh, uh, one of you, all of you, turn in your Bible to Psalm 51, and one of you read out loud Psalm 51. Um, after you read Psalm 51, I want you to answer this question. What are the marks of godly grief leading to repentance that you see in David's psalm here? Like, as you look at what David is writing and pouring his heart out to the Lord, like, what are the marks of genuine godly grief you see David write in this psalm? And then I want to take that and I want us to get personal and practical in our own lives. Is there anything in your life right now where you have settled for a worldly grief, which is really no grief at all, and God is burdening you in this moment that like he is sorrowing you over your sin with a godly grief. And that is a gift from him because that's the kind of grief that will lead you to repentance. Um, how do you know if there is that? Is there anything in your life right now that you have just been sorry you got caught but not really sorrowing over your sin? You just want to experience the consequences as fast as you can so your life can get back to normal. But um, it's not led you to sorrow over your sin and want more of Jesus and want to see the change in your heart. Just say that out loud to the people in the room that you're sitting with because we have to go there. You're like, again, I thought you were going to get me out from the weight of all of this. Now it feels like I'm sitting under the weight. We have to sit under the weight with the godly grief, the sorrow over sin in order for the deliverance of the salvation without regret. There is no bypass around it. So we got to go here first. But I tell you, whatever you do, do not stop this message right now. Do not go into this first discussion time and be like, oh, we'll pick it up later. We got some other things to do. Um, I'm convicted. I don't like what he's saying. So let's not just finish. You have to come back after this discussion time because God, through his word, is now going to give us the recipe to free us out from the weight of the regret of past sin that he no longer wants us carrying in Christ. So let's talk godly grief leading to repentance so we can talk after this discussion point about the salvation without regret. So take some time. Psalm 51, what are the marks of godly grief? What in your life do you need to see that applied to over some sin or, or situations going on in your life? Chat together. We'll come back in a moment. So let me, uh, coming out of that discussion, let me remind us of the disclaimer I gave us going into this. Uh, uh, maybe in your time as you're reading Psalm 51, the Holy Spirit's convicting you of sin that you've not confessed or you've not repented of. And right there, even in that moment, you're talking about it. God's giving you this godly grief. The disclaimer I gave is that the enemy will just want us to sit and wallow in that instead of coming out of that to rejoice in how the gospel applies and redeems and rescues us out of that. So now we get to 
the godly grief which is producing this repentance and this repentance leads to salvation without regret. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's let the Spirit now lead us to rejoice with hope in this salvation we have in Christ without regret. Let's talk about the benefits of salvation. I think so often, right, as we think about the benefits of salvation, we think in a future aspect, and that's good, right? So much of 1 Peter is getting our mind's eye on the future when Jesus will be revealed to us. We can't wait for that day. We long for that day as believers. But there's some benefits to salvation in Christ now. And one of these is we are people who live with hope now. We are people who experience now this salvation without regret, being free not only from the power of the sin because Jesus was nailed to the cross and he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. We're freed from the penalty of that sin, but Jesus in taking our sin upon himself on the cross also frees us from the lingering shame associated with past sin. Do you, ha- do you know that? Do you believe that in your heart? That your Savior going to a cross, yes, has freed you from the penalty of your sin, and yes, has freed you from the current power of that sin over you, but he's also taken with it the lingering shame that the enemy so often wants to drudge up and put back in our arms and lead us to live under the weight of the rocks of these past regrets. And we have to be people where the gospel and the benefits of the salvation in Christ apply in such a way that, man, you know what? As the enemy tries to do that, to go, no, godly grief in my life has produced a repentance that has led to salvation in Jesus without regret. I will no longer let the enemy take the weight of my past sin and weaponize it to wield it against me in the present. We won't let that happen. The Spirit of Christ working in us to defend in our mind and in our heart that from happening. Because here's the thing, the enemy's going to taunt you. He's going to taunt me. He's going to bring up from time to time the past sin, the things that we're ashamed of, and he's going to want to lay back into our arms these rocks of regret and, and, and lead us to carry the, the shame and the regret once again because he wants to weaponize our past against us. He wants us to carry the weight into today. But Jesus has gone to the cross, and there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Any present condemnation over past sins is not from God. Any present condemnation over past sins is not from God. And now I hear some of you saying, yeah, okay, I agree, but aren't there present consequences for past sin and I would agree with you I know that from my own life you know that from your life we see in scripture that consequences of past sin can linger but here's the beauty of the grace God has lavished on us that in Christ and a life lived under the good news of the gospel of Jesus 
I can endure even the present consequences I'm facing over past sin in a way that does not heap condemnation on me and in a way where I'm not living under the weight of some rock of regret. That I can look at his current consequences of past sin and even see that as a good and gracious gift from God. Consequences are not the same as condemnation. I'm talking about today. We need to drop rocks of regret that are buried in condemnation and the enemy trudging up all the shame of past sin. Those can be dropped today because those are not of the Lord. God wants us to know this salvation without regret. He desires for us to walk this road of godly repentance that can lead us today to drop the rocks of regret that we have just carried far too long into our relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants that for us. To be equipped to no longer let the enemy weaponize the weight of past sin and wield it against us in the present. And so, but like, how do, how do we do this? How do we drop the rocks of regret? Um, I want to I wanna kind of practically apply these to the common areas I have seen throughout my time in ministry where, where people continue to carry unredemptive regret. I'm not talking about godly grief. I'm talking about, man, they, God had grieved them. They sorrowed over their sin. They repented of it. They're living in victory of it. And yet they just cannot. They just always are constantly looking back going, like, I just can't get rid of the weight of the regret. of I want to apply what we're talking about today and some of those common areas where I see people continuing to carry unredemptive regret. And so let's talk about dropping rocks of regret in these areas. Uh, the first one, which I don't think is probably a surprise to you, and it's certainly not a surprise to me. How do we drop the rocks of regret over past sexual sin? Man, this is... Um, you know, throughout almost 12 years of ministry now, uh, this has been like one of the, the greatest weights people will come and just need counsel on and just need to process and just need to talk through. Um, so many of us in Christ, we believe that the, the Jesus on the cross has freed us, delivered us out of our past sexual sexual sin but the weight of the regrets of it still just kind of weighs so heavy on us um, we look to the gospel and we say i believe that when jesus went to the cross he he redeemed he delivered he paid the price through his shedding of his blood and his death on that cross for those past sins, for that season of my life in such a way that I know I not only need to remember that I'm freed from the penalty of it, but I can be freed from the shame of it. I've sorrowed over it. I've turned from it. I am seeking a path of a healthy sexuality at this time in my life. I don't need to carry the regret of it any longer because of what Christ has done. I'm praying this for the married couple who is journeying, maybe newly married, maybe you've been married 10 years, maybe you've been married for decades. 
And the enemy has continuously tried to bring up the weight of past sexual sin and lead it to just frustrate you within the confines of healthy sexuality, within the confines of your marriage. I'm praying that you would drop the rocks of these regret and experience and run toward. You would drop the weight and the sin that so easily entangles and you would run with perseverance the race set before you, fixing your eyes on Jesus towards his desire for what a healthy sexuality looks like within your marriage. I'm praying this for the upper 20s, low 30s person who looks back on their college experiences, a, a series of just hooking up with this guy and these girls and all of this, I pray you've been sorrowed by a godly grief for it. You have repented of it. You have sought with your whole heart to live in a way that's honoring to God in this area, and yet you've still continued under the weight of those regret. I pray in the gospel that God would free you from the weight of the past regret and towards what this looks like healthy in your life today. I'm praying for the man or for the woman who for too long has sat in the addiction of the private fantasy world. I pray that that would come to the light in such a way that godly grief would happen, sorrow over it, and it would lead you into this salvation without regret. Like one of the greatest prayers of preaching this message is that so many people who are buried in the weight of past regret in this area would be freed from it in a right way by remembering what Christ has done on the cross. I think a second area that I so often see regret unredemptive regret being carried into the relationship with Christ, I'll say it like this, are years of misplaced priorities. Years of misplaced priorities. What do I mean by that? Um, there's been times throughout ministry where you get the privilege, and it is a privilege, uh, to sit with um, a Christian man or a Christian woman when they know uh, they are hours, days, uh, maybe weeks away from being called home to the Lord. And if you ever get that opportunity, you need to listen closely. You need to listen uh, what they talk about. The lessons you will learn in that moment cannot be multiplied in hardly any other setting. As I've sat in those moments with um, saints on the doorstep of seeing Jesus face to face, I've never heard them say, man, I wish I would have worked more. Man, I wish I would have spent more time away from the family. Man, I wish I would have played in more recreational sports leagues. Instead, you always hear them say, I'd give anything for more time with my wife. I'd give anything for more time with my husband. I'd give anything for more time at home with the kids. I'd give anything for more pushing swings in the backyards and running around with kids. And, and I've just made note through the years that so often regrets happen when there's seasons of our life where maybe idols are leading us to put too much priority in something that God has not asked us to put that much priority in. 
And it's let our time and our energy into other things. And then we get into the next season and we look back with regret over what we've neglected and, and what we wish we could have gone different. Now, here's the deal. In Christ, what do you do? You can't go back and change those years. You can't go back and redo those decades. But here's what's beautiful is that the Lord has opened our eyes to see that. He has revealed that to us. He is reprioritizing his priorities into our heart. And we can now live through his instruction of wisdom with a right set of priorities. And so you're looking back going, man, I wish, um, moms, you're going, I wish I would have been a better listener to my daughter in her teenage years. Be a great listener to, listener to your daughters as her daughter navigates through the teenage years. Dad, you're going, man, I wish I like, would have dated my daughter and just shown her like how a guy should treat her when she was 12, 13. Do it when she's 32, 33. Call her up this week and say, you know what? Like, let's, let's have a date time together. Every, I want to spend time with you. You look back and go, my husbands and wives, I wish we would have been more intentional in our time. God's revealing that to you now. Start now. This is the beauty of the grace we have in God. He shows us and instructs our heart and through wisdom says, start prioritizing life now. Don't wallow in the regret of all of it in the past. Start prioritizing the way I've called you to right now. And that can change today. Phone calls can be made today to go, you know what? I want to prioritize time with you. Let's do that. But we don't have to wallow in years of misplaced priorities. Yes, we need to have godly grief and sorrow if we've never done that. Yes, we need to seek repentance and forgiveness if we need to. But then we move forward in the grace of God to get the priorities right. Uh, third area, we're, gonna, we're trying to drop rocks of regret. This third area is this, long-enduring habitual sin patterns. Uh, the, the dad who exploded into anger too many times through the years, the, the person who would just retreat away from conflict, and just isolate and freeze everyone out and the implication that's had over years. We can look back on the other side of God revealing those habitual sin patterns in our life and we see them and we've sorrowed over them and we've uh, repented from them and we're seeing victory in them. And yet even in the sorrowing and the repentance and the seeing victory, we still carry the weight of like, oh, I hate that that was such a habitual thing in my life. Here's the freedom we have in the gospel. Start living in the victory of it today. How powerful for your kids to go, you know what? I don't remember the last time dad's exploded in anger. Wow, you know what? Like mom, she didn't just retreat and like run away from this. She approached this and she reconciled this. Start living in the victory of it today. And then this fourth one, which I've already touched on throughout this message. Let's drop the rocks of regret over the secret sin no one even knows about. I know some of you watching this, you're suffering in silence. I think every one of us, our heart's desire is to be fully known and fully loved. And you fear, you fear if you come out with this secret sin and you're exposed, that this is exposed in you, can you be fully known and will you still be fully loved? I would tell you, you have a God who's already revealed to you that he does fully know you and he does fully love you. 
that it's this very secret sin that propelled his love. While you are still a sinner, he sent his son. Christ died for you. And you no longer have to suffer in silence. That you can actually even today just confess this and you can bring it to the light and you can uh, have the godly grief. You can sorrow over it. It can lead you to repentance and you today can be freed into this salvation without regret. To go, man, I hate that a private secret sin that has lingered for far too long, but it has been covered by the grace of God through Christ's death on the cross, and I will no longer let the enemy wield that against me. I will no longer suffer in silence. I will live in victory over this in the salvation without regret that is offered to me in Jesus Christ. So I would just tell you as hard as it may be to stop suffering in the silence and to say it out loud. You already have a God who fully knows you and fully loves you and you'll find in God's people who are led by his spirit that you can be fully known and fully loved as well. I want us to know the salvation without regret because the alternative is death. The alternative is death, literally. And that's how the verse ends. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. When we don't have the godly grief and we don't repent, it just leads us to be depressed and to despair and into despondency. It just leads to death because we don't know the joy and the freedom of a salvation without regret. This depression and despair and despondency, we then try to mask it with addiction and denial and with anger. And like God wants none of that for us. God instead wants godly grief to sorrow us for our sin, to lead us into repentance. And then on the other side of that repentance, to experience the joy of a salvation with Jesus that is about freedom into a salvation without regret. You no longer, starting today, have to carry the unredemptive rocks of regret that you have continued to carry into your walk with Jesus. Drop the rock today. Drop it. Jesus has gone to the cross for it. He has delivered you from the penalty and power of it, and he has delivered you from the lingering shame of regret that, you've, that, that we just can carry into our relationship with him. He doesn't want it carried in. He's delivered us from it. Let's live in the freedom of that. And so another time for us to process this together. Uh, where will you be set free today? Where will you drop a rock of regret today? Where will you say to others who love you and before the Lord, I will no longer allow the enemy to weaponize the weight of my past sin and wield it against me in the present? I'm walking, if you never have, if you've never walked the road of a godly repentance, you're saying right now, I'm going to walk the road of godly repentance. I just want more of Jesus and I want change in my heart and I want to grieve over this sin and then I'm going to experience the joy and freedom of this salvation without regret. But if you already have walked that road of repentance, with today you step into the freedom of the salvation without regret. But tell each other, what will you be set free from today? Where will you drop a rock of regret right now? Let's just be free together. As someone shares some things, I would just encourage you to take some time to pray for that person right there. Uh, 
Don't leave this just as an awkward time of silence. All of us have things we can bring before each other and before the Lord. Let's lean into it. Let's be bold. Let's let the Spirit guide this time and let's share. I'm going to be freed today by dropping this rock of regret. Let's talk to each other right now. I know so many of us know doctrinally the gospel. I know so many of us know the hope that we have waiting for us because of the salvation we have in Christ, and those are good things. I'm praying today we would know them practically for our walk here on this earth. That we would see the gift of godly grief, that we have sorrowed over our sin, that we've rejoiced in the repentance that God has led us to, and we would know the salvation without regret. Don't continue to carry the unredemptive regret that Jesus has taken on the cross. Do not continue to live your life under the burden of the weight of the rocks of regret. Drop them today, because Jesus is telling us, I took that for you on Calvary. Harvest you're loved, and you're sent. And I pray for your rejoicing in this week as rocks of regret are dropped throughout our entire congregation. Have a great week.